My name is Martha. And this is Colby on Martha and Colby Grow Up. A podcast where we talk about the things that made us who we are and where we're going in the future. Because every week we're finding a new way that we're growing up. Hi, I'm Martha, and Colby is not here this week on Martha and Colby Grow Up. And if in case you forgot, we are a podcast where 20-somethings navigate life apart together. Uh, I decided to give Colby some paid time off. That's a joke. We do not make money on this. But if you wanted to toss us a couple dollars, you can find us, you can find our links in the episode description. So as a reminder, if you pay $15 once or over the course of the podcast, we will podcast about whatever you want. And there have been some threats made, maybe by me, maybe by Colby. Um, but we really want to do this. Like, what do you guys want to hear? We're running out of ideas. Um, I mean, every end of year is kind of easier because we can do recaps. But if there's anything you want to hear in the next few months, let us know and pay us $15. It's $15. It's really not that hard. But Colby's not here. So filling in is my pal, Maggie, and we'll introduce her in a second. But the first thing we're going to do, as always, is the question of the week of the month. So Maggie, what's your favorite item in your closet? Uh, my favorite item in my closet is a shirt that I got from a friend's bachelorette party. And it says, we're here to purr tea. Um, anyone who knows me knows I'm a cat lady. So that goes with just me all the time. But it's also just very soft and oversized. And it's my favorite. I wear it all the time. That's really cute. I love that shirt. I didn't know you had that. That's awesome. <laughs> oh, so this is like a hard question. Um, let me look at my closet. It's kind of overflowing. Hmm, this is kind of a shallow answer, but I have this dress and it is about a little bit above knee length. It's black, um, kind of like a shift dress, but the sleeves are like bell sleeves. And on the end of the sleeve, there's like gold embroidery. It just makes me feel really fancy. And I bought it for like New Year's Eve 2020. And I think I didn't get to wear it. And then I was like, okay, I'll wear it like the next New Year's. And then I stayed at home. So I haven't like really gotten to wear it. I think I wore it for a murder mystery party once, um, but nothing, nothing crazy. So I don't know. I want to wear it at some point. It probably doesn't even fit anymore. I haven't tried it on in a while, but. Okay, Maggie, I didn't ask you, how did you want me to introduce you? So instead of that, we're just going to have you introduce yourself, however you wish. Put you on the spot. Hi, my name's Maggie. Um, I don't have any socials to plug, so um, there's you, you can't find me. Um, <laughs> I teach eighth grade science in Texas, and uh, I'm a friend of Martha's. Perfect. So yes, that's a good reminder. If you do want to find me and Colby on socials, you can find me on Instagram at Real Martha Riley. Colby is Colby complains on Twitter. All right. So this month. We are talking about chronic illness, and this is a topic that's pretty important to Maggie and I because, honestly, we, like, really bonded over this. Oh, my Minnesotan popped out. We bonded over this in the last year or so, and it's kind of a funny story. So, Maggie, and, and you can tell this maybe more in depth than I can, but I'll just give a quick synopsis. Um, Maggie was diagnosed with, like, rheumatoid arthritis and fibromyalgia, 
And I was like, oh man, that sucks. And you know, like I was providing support as best as I could. And then I, I started looking up these two things and I realized that, oh, I meet a lot of this criteria. That's weird. Maybe I should get this looked at. Um, and, and so I had dealt with other chronic illnesses such as like asthma and anxiety and depression. And you don't necessarily consider those chronic because they're kind of, you know, some of them are more manageable than others. You know, like my anxiety is under pretty good control. Every so often it flares up, but fibromyalgia was a new thing to me because it left me utterly exhausted. I would end work for the day and just have to lay in bed for an hour or two because I was so tired all the time and I didn't know what was going on. So I ended up going to the doctor and like my, my primary care doctor and I was like, yo, here are my symptoms. And he's like, I don't think this is anything, but we'll get your blood tested to check. I was like, bet. All right, dude. So we got the blood test back and it showed that I had inflammation in my blood. Cool, cool, cool. Uh, but I didn't know what that meant um, in terms of like, you know, I, I think I was texting Maggie my results and I was like, okay, what does this mean? What does this mean? And basically, you know, I thought it was dying. Not really, but I was like concerned about what this all meant. And so I got referred to a rheumatologist. And the really hard thing is for rheumatologists, often the wait times, at least here in Minnesota, I don't know if, if it was like this in Texas, but I had to wait several months to get an opinion from someone. And me being me, I made several appointments because I wanted the first available. And then, you know, I actually did go to a first available one, but I didn't like the doctor. So I kept my other one. Um, and so, yeah, I don't know. It's That's kind of the initial journey it's been some updates since then and and how things are going but we can get into that a little bit but Maggie when did you sort of first realize that this was an issue for you and if you want to tell sort of your story of finding this out or anything else you've dealt with in the past I am happy to listen um so I grew up with uh my mother having um rheumatoid arthritis she was diagnosed uh in her late 20s uh before I can remember. I was alive, but I was the small child. Um, so it was kind of something that I was aware of most of my life of having growing up with a mother with it. Um, she and I are extremely close, like way closer than most people are with their mothers. Um, and for a lot of it, I, I was the one that my mom would kind of go to and explain when she wasn't feeling well. And I was the kid that like laid in bed with my mom and like, just, mm -hmm. you know, we were super close. My dad wasn't the best about, um, being understanding. So, um, I've always been aware of it because of my mom. Um, when I was about 14, I was, uh, maybe partial. I don't even want to say diagnosed. It was mentioned that I probably had endometriosis, um, which is, another one, but it was very much brushed off of whatever you're just dealing with it. Um, and so anyone who is not familiar with endometriosis, it's like super bad period pain, super bad PMS. Um, so it was just kind of here, go on birth control. Um, so I dealt with that for most of my life. Uh, and then in, I guess it was about, uh, late 2020, I was talking to my mom about how I was feeling. Um, and she was like, I was having this like really deep pain in like my 
arms and my legs and I just was in pain all the time. My mom was like, that's not normal. You need to go have it checked out. So because my mom had dealt with it, I went and got it checked out. It also took me quite a while um, before I was able to see anybody. Um, I actually went, just went and looked um, at what I uh, did what, when I went and my first round of testing uh, was in November from my PCP, but I was not able to see a rheumatologist until January. So, and that was pretty quick um, because of the setup that my doctor's office has, but um, I'm aware that it does take most people quite a long time to find um, an appointment with somebody, especially somebody that they like. So, um, and uh, it's kind of been going from there. So in uh, my GP diagnosed me in, I guess, uh, November with fibromyalgia. Um, and then once I was able to get to the doc, uh, the rheumatologist, um, it took a couple of months and a couple of rounds of blood testing to be diagnosed officially with rheumatoid arthritis. I feel like it really helps to have parents or at least friends in your life uh, that have gone through similar things. Because I think I've talked about it on this podcast before, but I know my dad and my parents can sometimes be dismissive of things that I'm going through. Um, guess what? I'm always right. I always like, you know, your body best. And I think sometimes that can be hard to forget. And also, you know, I want to recognize that we are really privileged to have health insurance and to be able to take time and go see doctors because a lot of the times you, you can't do that. And sometimes, you know, you see a doctor and they don't know what's wrong with you. I mean, there was this show on Netflix a while ago. It was called, uh, I think it was called like Undiagnosed or something. And this is one of like my weird uh, guilty pleasures, but there's a column in the New York Times by the same name. And it's basically all of these medical mysteries and people write in and be like, I had a weird rash on my face, but I tested negative for limes. I don't know what it was. And then, you know, they get solved. So, but sometimes, you know, at least for fibromyalgia, rheumatoid arthritis is a little more concrete. But fibromyalgia, if you do some research on it, a lot of doctors don't necessarily take it seriously. And, you know, after I went to the rheumatologist, he's like, you know, this is what it is. Unfortunately, we don't do anything with that. This is more of like your primary care provider and and uh, stuff like that. And, you know, if you don't have a good primary care provider, like what do you have? So, it's just, it's complicated. I mean, you, some of you may have listened to my rant on health insurance in an earlier episode, and it's really factors into all of that, just being such a weird, messy system. Yeah, and absolutely. As millennials, we uh, are both guilty of not um, keeping normal doctors and falling into that trap of, I don't want to go to the doctor unless I absolutely have to and convincing myself it's fine. Um, and if you're not seeing the same doctor consistently, it's really, really hard to get diagnosed with something like this for sure. Um, and I didn't have a primary care physician until I started this process because I just didn't want to. So <laughs> yeah, I've I've seen my same one since I was young, which is like, weird and unusual and i'll be like i'll probably cry when he retires because like i've just seen like seen him my whole life for physicals and stuff but it, it's hard because sometimes you know for example i just found out that my therapist i started a new job that's some personal martha news i guess i started a new job and you know i just found out that my insurance 
does not cover my therapist visits. Like their office does not take this type of insurance. And so that's a whole not like other battle. Like, okay, maybe you like this doctor, maybe they're great, but you know, you switch insurance or you lose insurance or you like can't afford it. So that I feel like that's a big part in chronic illness too, is because sometimes those bills can really add up. Um, you know, I've talked about it before, but when I broke my elbow, it was like 1600, 1450, whatever. I don't remember anymore, but it was a lot of money when I broke my elbow. And that was like a standard thing, like a couple x-rays cast and they sent me off. And then, you know, imagine for something like RA or fibro or any other numerous chronic illnesses, um, you know, it can cost a lot. But so one thing we should probably do and back up is to talk about, you know, what a chronic illness is. I mean, you probably could put it together. Chronic means like long lasting. But so according to the CDC, chronic chronic diseases are defined broadly as conditions that last one year or more and require ongoing medical attention or limit activities of daily living or both. So I think that's actually a great time for you, Maggie, to jump in and explain the spoon theory. And if you follow me on Instagram, a while ago when I visited Maggie in Texas, we got matching tattoos of spoons. It was so cute. So yeah, so spoon theory, um, some people may have heard of it. I know it's something that I kind of came to from other people. So it's something that's definitely circulated around. Um, But it's essentially a story that was originally uh, published by Christine Mazur. Miserdino, I think is her last name. Um, and so it's, she was trying to explain to a friend what it's like to live with a chronic illness. And so what she did is they were sitting at a restaurant and she gathered up all of the spoons, uh, that she could reach. And she told her friend to basically think of the spoons as, um, her currency to get through the day. Uh, and so had her friend start listing off the things that she would need to do to get ready for the day. Um, and, uh, Christine would then, you know, dole out the number of spoons, um, that that would cost. Uh, and so as the friend went through things, um, Christine started taking away spoons. Um, and the friend noticed very quickly that when you have chronic illness, um, you often start with a limited number of spoons. You have a lot less energy to get through the day. Um, and things that, normal healthy people don't really think about um, cost more spoons. So for example, uh, one of her things was, okay, well, you have 10 spoons, but you got a poor night's sleep last night. So now you only have six spoons to work with. Um, And just getting out of bed takes a spoon because you hurt and you're sick and it's difficult um, to just drag yourself out of bed. Um, So those things just kind of add up really quickly. And where... Um, she said a lot of normal, healthy people can just kind of replenish their spoons, sit down, take a nap, take a break, um, and have them replenished for people who are living with chronic illness. It's really difficult, um, to gather up any spoons, uh, whatsoever. And both Martha and I are chronic nappers. (laughs) Um, and both of us have, have had the situation where like, all right, I'm going to go lay down and take a nap. And then we wake up and we're like, nope, that didn't, that did not help. Or even that made that worse. So it's just uh, basically having to think about what you are doing constantly and how that's going to affect the rest of your day, the next day, uh, things like that. I mean, when people ask what my tattoo is, I'm just going to direct them to this episode of the podcast and call it good because it's it's kind of hard like explaining it if you don't know what it is. But I, I don't know. Most people get it. So I think that's like really important for a lot of people to understand because especially with you know, some of these invisible diseases like RA and fibromyalgia, 
you know, people don't really know. I had a I had a chiropractor actually really recently. And I was like, hey, yeah, like I have fibromyalgia. So sometimes I suffer from like weird pain. And she's like, really? Like, who told you that? I'm like, a, a, a rheumatologist, like a, a, a doctor. And, I, and she's like, oh, I see. I was like, do not. Like some people just like don't get it. They don't believe it. So it, it's, I don't know, it's, it's hard. So I, I think what I want most for people to understand about these illnesses is that I'm not going to be 100%, 100% of the time. Like sometimes things take longer for me to do. You know, for example, I went to my friend's cabin in June. And yeah, June, that was the month of all my travel. And, you know, they they went on walks. First of all, I don't love walking anyway. But like, second of all, I was just in so much pain back then because I wasn't like doing anything for it. And like going on a walk would have m- probably put me out for the rest of the day. Like people just you know, sometimes don't understand that it can be draining, it can be tiring. And, you know, other people don't understand and having to explain it to them. It's just a lot. Like, I'm getting overwhelmed right now. Like, oh, my God, how how do like, this is so much. (laughs) I also want to clarify, um, because this is something I run into a lot with the diagnosis of rheumatoid arthritis. We keep saying specifically rheumatoid arthritis and not just arthritis, because it's very different from osteoarthritis. Uh, because most of the time when I tell people, yeah, I have rheumatoid arthritis, they're either like, oh, you're too young for that. Or, oh, yeah, my grandma has that in her hands. Um, rheumatoid arthritis is very different. It is an autoimmune disorder in which your body is attacking your joints um, and other parts of your body. Um, so it's not like, oh, my hands are kind of creaky or <laughs> my elbows hurt. Like it is a it's a whole body um, disease. So I think that's another part of understanding chronic illness. Um Part of my diagnosis, I was trying to figure out what I had. And one of the options basically was lupus. And um, people are much easier to understand when I say, hey, I might have lupus. Like, oh, I understand lupus is very serious, probably because they've watched House and they're like, oh, yeah, I know that lupus causes all sorts of crazy things. Rheumatoid arthritis is extremely similar. Um, Wait, did House have lupus? House? No, his yeah. like catchphrase oh. was like, it's not lupus, because every time oh, someone had like a weird okay. disease, they like tried to it's say it was weird. It's, lupus. It's been like a decade since <laughs> I watched House. But still, people have like a tangential, like, oh, I've heard of that. They have the recognition. But then when I say rheumatoid arthritis, they're like, that's not that bad because they're thinking that it's osteoarthritis, which can also be debilitating. Um, don't get me wrong. I'm not belittling that, but it's a different um, disease that we're dealing with. And I think it's also important to understand that, you know, all these diseases are different and affect people in different ways. So it's really, really hard to be like, oh, that one's the worst or like, oh, absolutely. You know, like, oh, I'm glad I don't have cancer or whatever. Like, yeah, me too. But like sometimes, you know, cancer doesn't affect people right away. Whereas rheumatoid arthritis, maybe you're in constant pain daily. Like, it's just so different. And I think... You know, I have a lot of friends that are relatively pretty healthy, and I, I kind of feel like the odd one out a little bit with all my health problems. But, you know, the best I can do is to help people understand it and, like, know where I'm coming from and what I need at the moment. Uh, because I also think that can be, you know, hard. Um this episode no longer exists of the podcast because I took it down because I realized uh, people may search for this and people that I work for may listen to this. So I took it down. But one of the things I talked about was going to sex therapy once because it was just 
you know, I, there was some biological things going down there that weren't really making sense. And, um, you know, it was really, really hard for me to tell my partner at the time, like, Hey, this is what I need. Um, and with fibromyalgia, it's a little easier to be like, you know, Oh, I get tired all the time. I'm, I'm, uh, you know, I, I need to take a break, but with some of the other diseases, it's not always easy to be like, you know, Hey, I, I can't work today. Like I'm like in so much physical pain, I can't get out of bed. So I think that's like one thing that I really want people to understand is that it's so different. It affects everyone. And, you know, ask, I guess, like be nice about it. If you need to know what someone needs, don't be like, Oh, you know, Martha's precious. She can like, like, <laughs> Maggie, when you were helping me move, you're like, I'm not, I'm not a doll or like what, I don't know. You're like, I'm not precious. I was like, okay, fine. Like, you know, like it just, it just treat people like they're human until they tell you, you know, and unless you see them struggling or if they want to talk about it, I think I'm not really explaining myself well. Maybe you can tack onto that a little bit. I understand what you're saying. Um, and I think part of it, we definitely, Martha and I are very lucky to still be fully able-bodied. Um, and while we do, um, struggle with symptoms, uh, neither of us currently require mobility aid. Um, but like, for example, I am going to Disney very soon and I am planning on spending pretty much the entire trip in a wheelchair. Um, simply because I can't walk <laughs> for distances. I, um, like I said, I'm a teacher, I'm on my feet. And after just a couple of hours on my feet, my ankles swell up and I'm in a lot of pain. So in order to be able to, um, enjoy my trip, I plan on sitting in a wheelchair and making my husband push me around Disney. Um, it's been a couple of years uh, for us to get there. I was going to say, like, are you getting a, a motorized one? Or what are you talking so, about? <laughs> no, I'm actually going to use a regular wheelchair, not the motorized okay. one. Because right. uh, when we went a couple of years ago, again, having the knowledge from my mom, um, she did try to use a motorized one. She's like, everyone just left me behind because I was going too slow. So oh. I was like, uh, all right, well, I'm going to make Will push me around in the wheelchair. Um, and also my friend's bringing her baby. So she's just not going to bring the carriage and I will just be the carriage. Um, that's, that's how we're going to make that work. Um, so, but Will's like, yeah, no, I'll push you. And that way I can, you know, I can wheel myself around and I can still get up and walk around and I'm, yeah. you know, obviously very lucky to have that ability still. Um, but having to explain to my friends who are all able-bodied 29 year olds, um, when I said, Hey, just so you know, when we go, I'm getting a wheelchair. They were like, what do you mean? And these are friends that I've talked mm -hmm. to a lot about this struggle. Um, so it took a minute, but they were able to, but it's a conversation I have to have constantly with people. Um, and my friends are extremely understanding, but if you are somebody who's starting to go through this and it's starting to get old, um, it's going to keep happening. So, uh, definitely take the time to continue to have those conversations and be honest about your needs. Um, and then if you have somebody who's telling you their needs, take, take it at face value, take, you know, just understand. <laughs> okay. If they say, Hey, I have a handicap placard that I'm going to use, or I need, you know, X, Y, and Z, just understand that they don't owe you an explanation as to why, um, and respect your friend or family member, whoever it is. Um, so that they feel comfortable because a lot of people will not use mobility aids and things that they need because of embarrassment. That reminds me, I know, I definitely know I've told this story on the podcast before. Wow. You do this for almost three years and you just repeat yourself. Uh, but when I was a freshman in college, I had to use a cane for some reason because my foot was like not functioning. Like it hurt. And we looked at the x-ray and it was fine. I was like, uh, well, I can't really walk. So what's up? 
And well, he's like, you can use a, a little booty. You can use a, um, you can use crutches or you can use a cane. I was like, well, hit me up with the cane. So I would like bike around <laughs> campus with a cane across my handlebars. And it was, it was just ridiculous. Um, I'm like laughing at it now because how unfortunate for me as an 18 year old college freshman using a cane, uh, no wonder I didn't make any friends for a while. Um, so yeah, while mobility aids are just like another challenge, you know, a big part of it is, is mental too. Um, you know, some days, some days are harder than others. Some days you're scared to reach out for help. Some days, you know, you think you can handle it and you don't want to talk to anyone else. Um, like I was having a hard day, a few, like last week actually. And no, you know, it was Monday. I had a really hard day Monday and I didn't want to reach out to anyone because I was like, I don't want to like burden anyone. Like, I feel like I've talked enough about my problems. You know, I, I'm just like, I'm going to try to deal with them myself. I probably should have reached out to someone, uh, because I was like pretty depressed and like, it wasn't going so well. And I didn't. And so, you know, that's just another story of like how things can affect you in ways you don't necessarily think about. So what about burden of caretakers? I mean, I feel like having your husband push you around in a wheelchair is obviously really nice. Um, and I'm not sure I would do that for you. So good thing you have him. That's why I got the ring, <laughs> baby. <laughs> <laughs> all right so that's what i mean all right got it um i i feel like and maybe maybe you have better experiences with this because of you know your mom and stuff but oh no okay so a few summers ago my dad got his knee replaced i was in college god it was probably almost like eight years ago i think it was like 1920 so seven six whatever it doesn't matter um and I, I was like his caretaker for a, a while because my parents were divorced. My brother was working. And so for some reason, I only worked during the day or like my, I don't know what my brother was doing that he wasn't there, but I was the one who ha had the most availability. So I like got my dad all this equipment from the Goodwill because at, at this point in time, the Goodwill did free medical rental equipment. Um, they don't do that now anymore, which is kind of a bummer. But I got him like, you know, a walker and he was so stubborn and like didn't want to use it. So I feel like sometimes caretakers think they know best, but, you know, you know best. And other times it's really like, you know, you just want to help, but you don't know what they need. So I feel like being a caretaker can come with a lot of burdens, too, especially if, you know, you're married and you kind of fall into it and you know, rather than like me, who, if, who's caretaking me right now, if I get sick myself, I, I'm going to like go to the grocery store, get some drugs and, and fall asleep. So this was a rant, but <laughs> maybe what do you think about the burden of caretakers or, uh, I guess not the burden for the caretakers is better phrasing. Well, so, um, <laughs> Uh, I, I went through my chronic illness story, but I forgot a big part of it. Um, when I was in college, I actually was what we think was bitten by a spider. And I ended up having what after a lot of blood work and whatever uh, we called an unknown autoimmune event uh, is what my doctors decided to call it. Basically, I had chronic migraines. Um, I started feeling horrible. I had to sleep all the time. Um I was really sick. Uh, my whole freshman year of college, I almost 
flunked out because um, I just couldn't could barely make it to classes and stuff. Um, and then eventually I was able to get uh, some medication that helped. Uh, I had so many Lyme titer tests done. Like I didn't think I had any blood left because I kept checking and they insisted it was probably Lyme. Um, but none of them came back positive. So um, we don't really know exactly what it was, but after a course of a couple courses of steroids, I ended up bouncing back. Um, so that was when my husband, Will and I met. Hmm. So, um, we used to have, uh, nap dates, uh, where he would come to my dorm after a uh, class and I would take a nap and he would do homework or play video games or whatever. I want that um, so, uh, while Will likes to act like this is kind of new, it's not, he literally fell in love with me while I was in the middle of doing this exact same thing. Um, so, um, but it was something that before we got married, was a conversation we had already had because my mom had it. Um, it was something that, like I said, my parents have struggled with. My parents are still married, um, but it's something that they've struggled with um, in their relationship. Um, and knowing that it had a genetic factor, I knew that there was a possibility of it. So Will and I had a long conversation about um, for better, for worse, for in sickness and in health, basically of if, if you, if you can't hold up that under the bargain, um, then it's not going to work out because that was something that was very, very, very important. Um, especially getting married young. We got married at 25. I'm like an old maid compared to you guys. <laughs> so, um, it was just something that like a lot of people who get married young, I feel like don't really think about. So, um, it was a conversation we had again, when I started feeling poor and, um, getting diagnosed is a conversation we had many, many, many times. Um, and finally, spoon theory is something that we absolutely talked about. And that's our code. I don't have spoons. I'm out of spoons. I'm going to bed. And he understands what that means now. So um, we've been together for 11 years. So it's not like it's a oh, new crap. thing. <laughs> um, so, you know, it's definitely something we work on and constantly work on. Um, and I think it's hard with maybe someone you haven't been with as long or um, someone who's not as understanding, you know, not everybody is good at that kind of stuff. But for me and Will, it's something that we, we just talk about constantly and talk about our needs and talk about what we can do. And again, I have my mother, uh, which is very helpful. So I kind of have a little look into the future, but he's done some research, you know, trying to figure it out. And honestly, this may sound a little morbid, but like I went online when I was diagnosed and looked at like basically some, some resources for caretakers. And most of them are for cancer caretakers um, because that's something a lot of people write about online. And I shared some of them with Will. And I was like, look, I know I don't have cancer, but <laughs> I am chronically ill. There is very, there's overlap here. Um, and so he read some of them and he was, it helped him, I think, kind of see where I was coming from, see other people in that role and things like that. So that's that's just what I what I did that was able to help us. And we're not perfect by any means. Um, but you know, when I say, hey, uh, I'm taking you to Disney World, it meaning I'm forcing you to go to Disney World with me because it's like my favorite thing ever. Um, will you push me around in a wheelchair? And he's like, all right. <laughs> well, that's very sweet. Um, I'll remind you of this story next time you uh, DM me something about it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so one thing I want to ask you about is, you know, we have each other to get through this and, and, you know, you have Will and I have my other friends that maybe exist sometimes. Um, 
what would your advice be for someone who's maybe like starting out this journey of trying to get diagnosed and, and feeling pretty isolated and alone? Something that is kind of just in general, a piece of advice that I, I take for myself that a lot of people don't like um, is I have very little patience for fake friends. Um, I am the first one to cut a friend out of my life. Was that a dig at me? No. I feel like that was a big dig at oh, me. You all and right. all your all your friends, all your so-called friends. Yes, it was not a dig at you. It was a dig at your so-called friends. Um, not the not the good friends that we both know and love. Um, yes. But uh, I cut people out of my life real quick. Um, so it's more about knowing who your real friends are and knowing who's not. Um, and I mean, we all have those acquaintances as people who are just fun to hang out with. Um, versus the people that we know we can trust with things. And it's very isolating. I am an oversharer, um, majorly. Me too. Uh, so, uh, I have a podcast about my life. You're in the right place. <laughs> and Colby's life too, I guess. So, um, I will, uh, I basically just word vomit at people stuff. And if I start to feel like they're like, Ooh, no, I'm like, all right, cool. I'm clocked to that. Don't talk to you about it anymore. Um, so, but it's more about just like finding your people, finding your support network, whether that's family, whether it's friends, whoever it is, and trying to surround yourself with people who are positive influences. And if you know somebody is, has not been supportive of things in the past, they're not the person to go to about having a bad day. Um, that's really all I can kind of say on that is just know who, know who's helpful to you, um, to get what you want basically. <laughs> yeah, I think that's great advice. I think one thing that I'd like to add would be, you know, this is a marathon, not a sprint. Sometimes you're going to be in this for the long haul. Some days are going to be worse than others. And I think, you know, over time, you're going to get better at knowing your capacity for things. Like, for example, sometimes I go out a lot and I'm like, because I can, like, I, I feel good, like, I can do it, you know, I need that hit of so socialization, and other times I'm like, oh my god, I'm literally, like, just gonna stay here and read my book all day, I don't want to talk to anyone, and it just depends, like, how I'm feeling and, you know, my mood, but that that also goes for chronic illness, too, because I have a couple friends that, you know, have some problems, it's not necessarily been diagnosed, some things, you know, the, the symptoms have been treated, but there's still maybe an ongoing issue, um, and those days are hard. Um, so I guess I, I don't know, I encourage you to like reach out to people you trust, let them know what's going on. Um, regretfully, I do not know if there are any support groups online or anything, but you know, we are big fans of therapy on this podcast. We've talked about it many times. So actually one of my previous episodes is how to find a therapist and, and stuff like that. So go back and listen to that episode if you're, you know, feeling a little alone and need some extra help or email us. Um, oh, wow, you could, I don't check the email. So maybe find us on Twitter or Instagram. Wow. I should, I should check that, man. I wonder if like anyone has emailed us. Whoa. Let's see if I can log in. We're going to do a live email read. We're going to take a little detour into Gmail lane. Well, if you, <laughs> while you're doing that, um, I do follow quite a few, uh, chronic illness accounts on Instagram. So oh, if you out. just want to, um, follow along if it's something that you you know even if you're not diagnosed that's a big thing diagnosis does not mean you don't have it right like just you know if it's something that resonates with you there is rheumatoid girls which is one of my favorites and then there's but you don't look sick um i think they're 
you don't look sick official on Instagram or, but you don't look sick official. Um, one of my favorite accounts, uh, also Spoonie sister shop is, um, uh, they're an Instagram shop, but they also have, uh, they're an Etsy shop rather, but they have a great Instagram account, um, about just like living with chronic illness and you don't have to necessarily have chronic illness to relate to a lot of this kind of stuff. So those are just some of my favorites. Awesome. Yeah. And we'll be sure to drop those links in the description. I did check our email, by the way, nothing, just Amazon inviting us to add our podcast to their stuff. But like who listens to podcasts on Amazon? That would be really, really weird if you did that. Um, Hey, don't hate. Like I try not to. Why would you? There's so many better apps. Look, don't, don't. um, Do you listen to podcasts on Amazon? Don't alienate your viewer base. You don't know. Or your listeners. I, I see the stats <laughs> of where they listen from. I know it's not Amazon, probably because we're not on there. But anyways, if you do listen to Amazon Podcasts, let me know why. Uh, and I will direct you in a better direction. Um, all right, Maggie, do you have any last thoughts or words of wisdom or stuff that we didn't get to? Uh, I think we're good. Awesome. I think um, I just have one last thought. And I know that... You know, again, we are very lucky to have the help and treatment that we need. Um, but if you're not, you know, don't be afraid to reach out for help and and get the care you need and the care you deserve, really, because I think everyone deserves really good care and good health care. And, you know, there are options to make it more affordable, too, if, if that's a barrier for you. Um, it's something I still struggle with paying all my medical bills. So, you know, you're definitely not alone in that. Um, and yeah, I think that's a really good thing to end on. You know, you're definitely not alone. Fibromyalgia and RA are really common. Lupus is common, um, common enough that, you know, it kind of sucks, but, um, yeah, take care of yourself, be healthy, drink some water, and, uh, we'll see you next time on Martha and Colby Grow Up. And thanks to Maggie for joining me this week while Colby has the month off. We'll see you next time. Find us online at www.marthaandcolby or on Twitter and Instagram at Martha and Colby. Thanks to Stephen Boyd and DJ Empirical for all things sound. Thanks to Jordan from Dreamful Podcast for the artwork. Shout out to Irene, even though you don't listen to this podcast. Don't forget to rate us five stars and subscribe on Apple Podcasts. And we'll talk soon.
Ace was a pop culture. Ah.